Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> Thank you for having me and Rose. And, uh, Peter is with Katie, and they're celebrating uh, their 10th wedding anniversary. <laughs> and so Rose and I, we uh, get to do child care, and then we, I also uh, get the honor of doing the, uh, the sermon, and, you know, it's, it's something I do with a fair amount of trepidation these days in my life, and, uh, the, uh, and so when I talk to my son about it, I say, you know, you have any advice, because, you know, he's the one who's doing this all the time now, and he says, well, he does have some advice, but it is, Dad, whatever you do, don't embarrass me. <laughs> so I will do my best, my son. And the other thing is, is that I, I had some difficulty putting this together because the, uh, I was very busy coming over here, and then I had to work on it while we were with Gloria and Remy. And... It seemed like every time I sat down to start working, uh, Gloria would come up to me and say, uh, uh, Bapa, will you play with me? You know, with those big brown eyes. And I just, well, I guess I won't be working on this anymore <laughs> for a while. <laughs> okay, so our, our scripture uh, comes from the book of Romans, and it starts at 5.12 through 14, but I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to 5.18 through 19 and Romans 6.5, and it has to do with the fate that befalls us all. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man <clears throat> and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For being the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of this one to come. And so death, physical death, is the penalty for sin. And that does not have to include us, because there is also what is known as the spiritual death. And later on at verse 18, it says, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as though the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made ranch righteous. So this is the doctrine of justification and one of the things it deals with is our sin. You know, that word I hate. I hate to hear it. It just, you know, pierces me into my soul. 
and yet I have to hold on to and remember the promise, and that's at 6, 5 of Romans. The promise, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united in him in his resurrection. So death comes to us all, doesn't it? There is still a ratio, a one-to-one ratio between births and deaths. And despite all the best efforts of our culture uh, to avoid it, to glorify youth, to delay it, to preserve life, to extend it as far as possible, there is the inevitable ending of the physical life. And we all know in our culture and the people we know personally that the, there are people who don't accept this. They don't like the reality of life having an end. Our culture teaches us something very different. And one of the characterizations you might have of that culture in the time that we're living in is it doesn't want to talk about it, but out there there's surrounding us always this sort of culture, this gloom, this darkness of death. And so one way that people deal with that is best summed up in a song by Peggy Lee in 1969, in my opinion, where she tells us at the end that breathing my last breath, I'll be saying, is that all there is? Is that all there is? Because if that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's bring out, break out the booze and have a ball, because that is all. That is all there is. And this is a, really a very beautiful song, but it's so incredibly cynical, isn't it? It's just, that's all there is. Get used to it. And yet, we have to recognize that at least that song deals with this reality, and there's courage, that it has the courage to do so. But the true courageous people are those of us who are Christians, because we've made a choice in life. We've decided that we will follow Jesus Christ. And we're not afraid to contemplate our own mortality. As Christians, we believe in a physical death, but our souls are immortal. It is only when we choose to separate from God that we live with the potential of a spiritual death. But we are also promised in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, that death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, where, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is in sin, and the power of a sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, we 
are saved by our faith in Christ. And it is an interesting thing that uh, when we deal with the concept of sin, we are become aware that this is something that Jesus dealt with, and it dealt with it very differently than what was the law and what had become interpreted in his time as the law of judgment and sin and condemnation. And my favorite example of his dealing with this is the story of the woman at the well. And she was a Samaritan. And this is very significant. And the other thing that was very significant about her is, is that she had had five husbands and was living with someone else. And Jesus knew this and even told her about it, told her that, and she was amazed by what she called this prophecy. And the thing that, about being a Samaritan was is that she was the subject of discrimination and prejudice amongst all the other Jews. And the Samaritans were... The, the Jews who had not been deported to Syria when the two kingdoms fell to the Assyrians. And there was, I think, some resentment about this. And then the other thing is that they had different beliefs. They had different doctrines that they believed in. And the one of them is, is that they only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament, and the other one is, is that they didn't believe that God dwelled in Mount Zion in Jerusalem. They had a different location, Mount Gersom in what was their city, Sechem. And, you know, these are the sorts of divisions, the sorts of things that people in their time, in that time, were dividing over. And they were expressing... Uh, discrimination and prejudice against Samaritan people for that. And Jesus came along and instead of passing the Samaria, like so many Jews at the time and those that particularly were known to be righteous, followers of the law, they would they would cross over the Jordan, but Jesus chose to pass through Samaria. And when he did, he came to a town called Sechar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down from the well, because it was about the sixth hour. I, I always really love this, because it tells us that Jesus after walking for a long time, was tired and thirsty, just like we would be. And that he is very much felt everything that we felt and lived like we lived. And then a Samaritan woman who, she came in the middle of the day, we thought it is believed, because she couldn't come in the morning like the other women because she would be shunned. And she came to the well and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And she, she said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. 
how can you ask me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would ask, have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. See, Jesus offers even this person who was very much at the bottom of the social ladder of their society, he offers this sinner eternal life through him, through all of us. And in my work, I've seen the worst of the worst. And I've seen the most miraculous changes in human beings from those that accepted this gift of Jesus Christ, just like this Samaritan woman. Now, it is a very sad thing that even in, in our times right now, that the specter of death is still with us. And it is present in our culture, in the cynicism of our culture, but is also present in what it is that we're dealing with that's called a pandemic. And we hear it and we hear it again. And we are afraid of it. The coronavirus, the COVID-19, the Delta variant, the Omicron. We've lost friends and loved ones. And we've been to their funerals. And we stand here today afraid and to some extent exhausted. And the church is becoming increasingly afraid and tired and exhausted. And this is uh, something that an organization called the Barna Group studies. And they do all kinds of surveys on Christian issues and churches. And one of the things that they're saying is, is that attendance is down as much as 50%, especially for small churches. And the other thing is they're saying is the pastors are discouraged. 38% of pastors are looking to quit their full-time ministry, and that's particularly true up to 45% for those under 45 years of age. They're discouraged. And this is what the evil one wants, is to discourage you. And I look out upon everyone that is here today, and I see the faithful. I see those very same people who at one time, in another date, in another place, in the early Roman Empire, where they had a nat massive pandemics of the plague. And those Christians at that time didn't flee the cities like everyone else, and particularly the rich and powerful. What they did is they stayed, and they cared for the sick and dying. And this, dare I say, is who St. Andrews is. 
its pastor, its staff, and most of all, its congregation. See, you have experienced no such loss in your faith or your commitment. You do not live in discouragement. You, as St. Andrews, are persevering in the midst of a pandemic. St. Andrews remains faithful, claiming victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. St. Andrews, you are not afraid of death. Because you know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Rather, the programs and the services and the things that you do as the faithful is that you continue to care for the homeless, the sick, and for those who are most disadvantaged in our society. And this, of course, is what, like our predecessors in about 300 A.D., did in the Roman Empire. And after they did that, they became such an example to all of the other people within the Roman Empire that within a hundred years, the church became the Holy Roman Empire because Christianity through Constantinople became the prevailing religion of the entire empire, even though it had been persecuted for 300 years. And so those early Christians lived like they knew they were dying. They were not afraid of that reality. And probably the best example of what this really all comes down to is what's from the Old Testament as to what it means to love God and to serve God. But it also comes to us through Jesus as he told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he was, first of all, challenged by someone at that time who was an expert in the law. And he said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus challenged him back and he said, what is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, You have answered correctly. But this expert in the law, we'll call him a lawyer, had to challenge back again. And he said, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus said, told a parable, and you, 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 it's so wonderful how Jesus so often told us a story to make the point. Instead of just telling you the law or the rule, he gave you an example of what it really meant. And he said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers and they stripped him and they left him on the side of the road and, you know, he was half dead. A priest walked by and saw him and he walked on the other side of the road. 
And a Levite walked by and saw him, and then he changed the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, isn't it beautiful? A Samaritan. In dealing with this, this, this person of the law who was so filled with judgment, he uses the example of a Samaritan. As he traveled, he came there where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine, and then put the man on his donkey and took him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took two silver coins and asked that he be taken care of from that point forward, and then if there was more, he would come back and pay more. And then he says, which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the man who had shown mercy. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Keep it up. You, the faithful, the most courageous, that in the midst of what we're going through are here. And it is the good works that you do that are so very, very significant. And you don't feel them every day and every time. But they matter over the course of time. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways that you can, in all the places that you can, at all the times that you can, to all the people that you can as long as you ever can, as John Wesley tells us. Because in the end, in the inevitable end to it all, as we are told in Revelations 21.4, he will wipe away every tear of our eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away, and you will hear, well done, good and faithful servants. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Lord, I pray over these faithful, faithful followers of you. May they know who they are in your kingdom. And may they know that their good works are appreciated, that they are known, that they are written in the book of life, that in following you, in choosing to be a follower of your son, Jesus Christ, that they have drunk from the well of eternal life that they have sought the things that you seek, that they have lived holy, not in judgment of others, but in kindness, in doing good for all those that are there, that are out there, for every soul, because every soul is immortal, and that their good works are appreciated within the entire community, in our world today, 
and most importantly in your sight, Lord. We ask, I ask this blessing upon them, the faithful and those that love you, Jesus. And I say this in Christ's name. Now, Peter T., I guess, was not feeling too good and like a lot of people, is very concerned about what could happen, so he isn't here to do the last song. So I'm going to do the last little benediction right now and excuse you. And I'm going to excuse you with this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace, and God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay.